Good Saturday morning, fellow Gooners. Welcome to another episode of Cannon Talk. I'm your small and my co-host as usual, Aiden. How's it, guys? A lot to discuss. But first, Arsenal took on Everton at Goodison Park. You know, me rubbing my hands together before the game started. You know, thinking that this is going to be, you know, a solid three points. And, you know, as we said, we were going to go watch um, Spurs take on City, you know, with, uh, with us having an eight-point gap and a... Uh, Okay, we end. Yeah, I mean, yeah, the clash at, at Goodison Park, you know, away to the Gunners and uh, the Gunners, and Arsenal going, you know, with a strongest eleven uh, as it stands. And I mean, I, I felt now also now the the new boys also getting their slots on the Arsenal bench. And I mean, we go on into the game. Um, Arsenal get the game started, but I mean, within like a couple of minutes, Everton already like under dice look way more positive and you know more uh, set. In, in a sort of tactical way, which they were kind of lacking against, uh, they were lacking with, with uh, Frank Lampard at the helm. Um, then 12th minute, uh, Thomas Party tries his uh, speciality shot from outside the box, but Pickford reads the flight of the ball and comfortably catches it. So what was your take in the first like, 10, 12 minutes of the match? Look, uh, I thought, you know, everything was just going to start with intensity. I think the fans were were really good from the word go. And I thought Arsenal, and we always spoke that we need to settle the fans. But, you know, first few minutes, you know, I wasn't taking it too, too hard of the other game was going. Because I just thought, you know, Arsenal were going to get back themselves into the game. But, yeah, I just didn't seem like we were grabbing a true foothold in the game in that first few minutes even. And I mean, that uh, 22nd minute, um, Everton were driving forward. Saliba ended up forcing to make a, a intercept from a Tarkovsky header. Um, then 30th minute, Eden Ketia set through by uh, Pakoya Saka. He ends up having a chance, but he ends up firing high and wide from an acute angle. But I mean, also all trying, you know, in, in, in little bursts of countering. But as, as you now mentioned also, the, the crowd was upbeat. Everton also looked like they were, you know, eating a sort of, I don't know, I think you also mentioned that last week already about that new manager, but, you know, the bounce that they get, the little bursts of energy. Yeah. The teams get, and I mean, uh, 33rd minute, Onana ends up winning position in midfield, central midfield, and I mean he drives forward, and I mean Arsenal looked weak, you know, just backing off him, nobody really taking the initiative to close him down, and I mean Onana ends up firing a low cross across the face of Arsenal's goal, and Calvert Lewin slides in, but I don't know if his timing is a bit out, but I mean he, he probably missed about by a stud length of the ball, uh, you know, tapping uh, Everton one up. Yeah, I know. I was screaming at my TV, like saying, wake up, wake up, because like, oh, Nana was dominating the midfield. Yeah. And I mean, I know you, you said Arsenal were interested in, in signing him, but I mean, boy, he looks like a proper player. I don't know if it's just, you know, a one-off game, but I mean, he gave party and our midfield a, a right go, actually. Yeah. The fourth one had another big chance for Everton. McNeil ends up curling across into the, uh, the Arsenal box. The core against his body shape kind of wrong and the ball ends up flying off target but again Arsenal allows these shots to go off in the box and they were warning signs for me I mean these were all warning signs and saying you know wake up wake up because I mean this Everton crowd was rowing for everything every 50-50 they were winning the crowd was going crazy so it was you know Arsenal was playing a team at the wrong place wrong time and you know what certain aspects of the game it was like worrying me if you just think back a few weeks back when we beat Man United, 
uh, that that moment, you know, when when Ketia ended up getting ahead of the sleepy one Bissaka, that's for the goal to make it one-one. Yeah. Our defending was like that for the majority of that first half because everything we were doing, there was always a guy just coming ahead, like stealing a yard in front of us. Because I, I, I do recall Gabriel, uh, our centre back, he ends up getting caught numerous times. I get like every time he's like he, he's caught ball watching. And in the time that he's watching the ball, Calvert-Lewin is like darting ahead of him or uh, Gabriel at times, uh, you know, missed the flight of the ball. And uh, someone like Calvert-Lewin is just lurking behind him, waiting, like, no, almost like knowing there's going to be air in place. No, yeah, I'm 100% correct uh, with, with what you're saying. I think Arsenal also just seemed slower to everything. Yeah. I mean, we had a, a large long break in between matches, but I mean, they seemed slower to everything. They were like, you know, it seemed like they're lethargic. I don't know if, 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 if um, fatigue is starting to creep in, but, you know, that was, you could see the team was struggling. And then, like, for the third minute, Martinelli whips a freak into the Everton box. Xhaka flashes the ball o- over the, uh, the bar. And, I mean, another chance for Arsenal fizzles out into, like, just uh, just about nothing. Then, as we approach halftime, uh, we, uh, Arsenal again, Totally switched off. This time, Calvert-Lewin Lewin, again uh, reaches first for a ball. Heads at goal, but I mean, just just wide. And Ramsdale is rooted to the spot. Yeah, I know. It was a very stressful game. And I'm thinking, when are we gonna, when is the tide going to turn? Because, I mean, uh, one of my friends was still messaging me at halftime, like saying, you know, what's going on. And I'm trying to, I'm not concerned, but I'm trying to say, like, you know, give some sort of positivity. And I'm saying, like, Look, you can't play this tempo the whole time. You're going to get tired. And yeah. I thought, and I mean, for me, like, as we go into the second half, Everton did not look like they were slowing down in, in any aspect. Then, 59th minute, uh, Nketiah does a fantastic dribble. He ends up teeing up Odegaard. And I thought, now, you know, a more composed positioning by Odegaard, and we probably go one up. And I mean, he ends up, it was like choking the chance, and he ends up just blasting the ball over the bar when he had all the time on his hands. It's, it's, it's a common occurrence with Odegaard. I mean, yes, he, he, he has been one of our best players for the season. But it's like a common occurrence, like, you know, when he when he just has to you know, open his foot up maybe or, like, just mm-hmm. compose himself, he ends up lashing at the ball. I think he had a chance, was it against Liverpool or United? I like to think it was last season or, or, or the game against Liverpool. We had the opportunity to score, but also, you know, lashes the ball over. I mean, you know, those chances count in those in these tight games. Then, uh, also still the 59th minute, Arsenal already uh, jumping to um, substitution time. Martinelli and Thomas Partey coming off, Trossard coming on, as well as Jorginho. Uh, then, a minute later, uh, from a Everton corner, McNeil ends up hitting the ball long to the back post. Tarkovsky ends up muscling past Saka and Odegaard, and I mean, he ends up just nodding the ball home. one all Everton. Yeah, no, he just ran through Odegaard like Odegaard wasn't there. And like you say, one all Everton and the crowd was rocking and it just seemed like it was not going to be our day. Yeah. The 72nd minute, Arsenal looking so much out of sorts. Everton with this new manager bounce that I was mentioning earlier on, making life just even more difficult for Arsenal. We were trying to, you know, force the issue instead of, you know, calmly playing our way through the, the, the gears. Then 77 minute Arsenal making another substitution. Odegaard coming off, Vieira coming on. Uh, 83rd minute, still nothing going for Arsenal. Then 85th minute, Ben White, who was actually out of sorts for the majority of the game. I mean, 
the Tamiyasi ends up coming on and just like back to being white. I mean, for me, it was also sad that it took long enough because white just seems sort of jaded and I mean, maybe needs a few games out to, you know, mentally recharge. I mean, I don't know what your take is on that. Yeah, no, I, I do think so. I think last week we also discussed, you know, how do we approach the game and, you know, do we, do we you know, give Tamiyasi a, a start since he, he had a few good games. I think he didn't do too bad against City and I think he did well against yeah. United as well. So, you know, why not just, you know, give him a chance to let Ben White rest his legs because... I think was he on the side of Dwight McNeil? I'm starting to think. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But I think Dwight they, McNeil was the, rough. Because look, the minute they also there was I think 15, in the fifteenth minute I think uh, Dice ended up switching the wingers also for for Everton, and that is when all the issues really started for Arsenal. So yeah, that's I mean those are little things you need to iron out, and I think um, you know like the the bench was struggling. I think Trossard struggled to make an impact, but Martinelli was also you know struggling. It was like he was always running into little blind alleys all the time. So yeah, 90th minute Arsenal, you know, failed to produce anything meaningful <coughs> to, as the match was out to full time, and I mean we end up taking a, a one 0 loss on the chin. You know, heavy to take from uh, you know a manager team and the fan perspective because I mean. When you think of it, then 24 hours later, in Spurs end up uh, beating Man City 1-0. Yeah, I know. I I actually felt, um, you know, sick for that whole Saturday. Like, I, and I mean, that's why I hate Arsenal having the early kickoff for some reason. They just have a way to, to almost spoil a person's whole weekend. And you're just like moping around, like, you know, now you're waiting for City. And like you said, you know, I think we all um, celebrated that Harry Kane goal and then... You know, Arsenal were lucky to 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 come up like the weekend, still five points clear. I think, um, you know, we, we obviously think about it as also an opportunity dropped. I mean, we could have made it eight points with the game in hand. And, you know, United also ended up dropping points against Leeds on, on Wednesday night. So, you know, still in our favour. But, I mean, now we go on against a Brentford side who was also not going to make things easy and that makes it a bit tougher to, to pick up the result. And I mean, look, uh, as you know, I mentioned now with Arsenal versus Brentford, uh, today's fixture. Um, Arsenal haven't scored now in the last two League and Cup fixtures. Um, Thomas Frank, I mean, his troops are almost like overperforming. If you think of what, you know, the outlook was at the start of the season, uh, which is also fantastic if you're neutral. Because, I mean, the top performance for Brentford this season, Ivan Tony 7.5, uh, Norgaard, 7.4, and David Raya in goal, 7.2. And I mean, the goals has, have been majority, majority, uh, majority coming from um, Ivan Tony Mbuemo. But okay, Tony is like 13. He's almost like in a league of his own at the moment at, at Brentford. Then Mbuemo with five and Wissa with four. So it's like the front three chipped in also a massive chunk of their goals for the season. Um, the assist at Jensen, he's on four, Tony on three and Mbuemo on two. With Arsenal again, we've got like Saka and Odegaard tied on 7.7, like as... Uh, Player ratings, average, um, Thomas Party 7.6. And then our goals at the moment are coming from Odegaard 8, Martinelli 7, Saka 7. And assists, Saka 7, Odegaard 5, and Xhaka 5. Um, I mean, for me, that's the thing. I, my personal take is going into today's game. I really think somebody like Martinelli and White needs to sit this one maybe out. Like just to, as I said, just to recharge. Because I think we at the stage of the season where 
you also have to let the squad system work for you because yes. like now you yeah. like you're flogging a, like a dead horse type of thing, uh, like with what we're doing or what theater is doing. You need to also like freshen it up because sometimes what you now mentioned like uh, some minutes earlier, we said it also leads to like tired body, tired minds type of thing, like with, with players now. Yes, no, and, and I don't know if you know this stat, but I know if Brentford is going for their 10th league game unbeaten if they um if they get a result you know win or draw because they haven't lost since october when they lost four not to villa so i mean they've can't this could this is going to be the 10th game they're playing and if they get the result i mean they haven't lost in 10 games and um like you said it's also you just start just like using the squad better i mean i'm not saying you need to make four or five changes but you maybe throw it tommy yasu in at the right back Trossarded left back, you have a I mean left back, left wing. Then yeah. you have like like you know, they have to play every one or two games. Maybe the next week you rest Saka, depending obviously who you're playing. I mean you don't just do it against any team, but you put Saka on the bench, you allow Trossard or Martinelli to play on the other wing, or you let Martinelli play down the middle. Do something different, do something not drastically different, but you know, allow Saka to get some rest. I mean, we saw what happened now. I mean, I don't know if it's a side of things to come. I mean, still early days with Virginia, but once party came off, it almost like a midfield continued to get overrun even more so. So I I, I wonder what's the thinking there behind it because I mean Jorginho is never a guy that's gonna kind of dominate the game with his presence. And I mean, you know I I, I think with EVG you're not gonna start him over party yeah. unless it's a it's a it's a easier game. So you know, like you said, tired bodies, tired minds. I mean, those things need to actually be, um, you know, watched very closely. Because Ben White, you know, if you look at Ben White, he's played a heck of a lot of games compared to even Zinchenko, who's been injured here and there. So he's had a bit of a break where Ben White has been, you know, almost playing straight through from game one. Yeah. So we're going to now move our attention also now to the next game since we have now midweek. Actually, a full schedule this week coming up now. Um, Arsenal versus Man City. It's a yes, it's a Wednesday fixture. Uh, you know, big showdown at the Emirates, and I mean, for me, it's like part two of this whole top of the table clash. Like, since we already played them in the FA Cup, uh, pushed them like really close. But I mean, we played like with what six changes in that match, and and City only made like one change, going really strong in the FA, in the FA Cup time. And I mean, I still think to myself, I mean, look, this is going to be a like a you know, pressing issue also because many people are always going to say, look, how are you going to perform as a club against Man City if you, you know, you're always like, you know, your strongest 11 are finally go toe-to-toe with Man City. So, I mean, how can I not say, look, for me, I just think to myself, it's going to be a big fixture also. The squad selection is going to be very important because if, this, if you think of it now, we've got Arsenal Man City on Wednesday and then we also have the early Saturday game. I think we play 130 against Aston Villa. So yeah. it's going to really push the squad to the max. So it, it depends how, even starting out, if you think of today's fixture against Brentford, how is he going to use that squad? Like, is he going to protect some players that are going to go straight into the, the Man City game and then almost like kind of protect whatever we have? So that, you know, because look, you, you're, uh, Aston Villa also very unpredictable at, at their stadium at the moment. Yeah, yeah, I know that, that that is true. Um, but Una Emre is the type of guy that you know when he when he comes up against a big side, he tries to frustrate them. And I mean, you know, we've seen Arsenal 
get some very good results at the Emirates when he was at the rain. Um, yeah. So we must be very careful of that. But I yeah. think the game against Man City, you know, I'm, gonna, I think that, I'm not saying we must go there negatively, but I think it's important not to lose that game. I think if you can keep that gap between City and us to, you know, in both commas, still at eight points. Yeah. I mean, that's a, it's a big achievement. And you guys are kind of need to keep on churning and rolling on the points because City right now, and I'm, look, Arsenal after this performance against Brentford made me very nervous. I know it could be a bad day at the office, but it was the very first time this season I saw the old Arsenal creep in. You know, we, I mean, we lost to United. And I mean, you know, even though I was upset about it, we could have easily won that game 3-1 on the day if the decisions went our way. But yeah. you look at that Everton game, we seemed out of sorts. We seemed, like you said, tired. Certain players seemed mentally fatigued. And now it's like, you know, this is where coaches earn, earn the corn, basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He needs to kind of now with Brentford, not mix and match fully that the whole team's disjointed, but now throw players here and there. So that, that, like, you know, like you said, you've seen Alex Ferguson, Wenger win, win titles. It wasn't that same starting 11 who won it for them all the time. It was mm-hmm. uh, Nwanku Kanu, like uh, aging Nwanku Kanu coming off the bench, you know, scoring a goal. The Silvan Velto scoring a goal. Edu getting a goal. You know, Arsenal need to kind of use that more to their advantage. I mean, I mean, Man City are, are going to come out in full force because they're going to want to beat Arsenal. Yeah. You know, and and if, if Arsenal can just... No, I'm not saying we must play for a draw, but don't lose. If Arsenal win, big bonus, 11 points, you know, it's a possibility. But think about it, you know, you shut the, shut the eight-point gap and you only have to play City one more time. And City seem like a team now... The moment the Champions League come in, they have this um, saga happening over the club's head, you know. So there's so much things going to go on at City that if Arsenal just throw a span in the world, if either beat them or make sure it's eight points, I think, you know, City could start, you know, they could be start being a bit of a wobble at City. Because, yeah. look, uh, look, my take is, look, I, don't know, I know we're jumping between uh, fixtures right now, but I mean, like for me, with the Brentford game also today, I think for me, this game should also be like a sort of statement game for Arsenal because they need to show that they've shaken the cobwebs from the Everton game. They also need to show, like, especially now in front of the home crowd. And, and I think for me, the bigger bonus also at the moment is you got two home games in a row because after, um, I forgot, I think after Man City have the, they've got like a game coming up also in between. I don't, I don't know if that falls into this cycle. But they're going to have a, a run after this weekend's fixtures where they're going to have, I think, four away on the bounce. Let me just check here quickly for you. Uh, see, so they're going to play Valletta. Yeah. Then they play Arsenal away, Forest away, Leipzig away, Bournemouth away, yeah, Bristol sure. City away in the FA Cup. And then they play Newcastle at the Etihad. So, I mean, you yeah. know, Arsenal, if they can just see that they... Almost keep the the um the the heads the heads clear above water basically, and they don't let the gap close. Yeah. I mean, Nottingham Forest at the City Ground. You know, Nottingham Forest are a different team than the one we beat five and all, and the one thing they beat six nil or something like that or six two. I don't remember what they did to City. I mean, to Nottingham Forest, Leipzig away, 
and then you know born with the way it's it's going to be a tricky fixture and i mean they do throw a newcastle side who, who you know how they set up against us when we had to play against them and then they play um crystal palace also away from home and then they play the second leg against leipzig i mean that's a lot of football in between yeah. those two champions league games and yeah, go on, go on, go on. No, no, I'll say, and if, if Arsenal keep on putting that pressure on them and not let any gaps close, you're going to see City's going to think, yeah, you know what, I think we're going to have to, you know, focus on the Champions League rather now instead of risking it all now because the games are going to become tougher in the Champions League as they go further. Yeah, because, I mean, this also leads me now to the talking point section of the podcast because... This is also something I wanted to post to you, but I mean, you actually, majority, like, in the majority, like, you know, answered it. But, but I mean, like, look, we need to take advantage of, especially if you think of what's going to be happening now, February month. Look, we already now have a, a buy into the next round of the Europa League. So that is, you know, shelved for a while. So we don't have to worry about, we out of both domestic cups, don't have to worry about that for a while. So now it's our, our, our true focus has to be, because I know Arteta said now at yesterday's press conference, they had, I think, 24 hours after the defeat against Everton, they actually had a, a general team meeting, like coaches and, and the players now, to discuss, you know, what went wrong and, and now, like to, to, to curb it, something like this now plays out again, that sort of performance away. Because, I mean, as you said, it was unrecognizable to watch Arsenal play that way, even though, yes, Everton had that, almost like that wind in their sails. But, I mean, my thing is just like, You've got City, or you now mentioned old City with an array of, of fixtures in the space of like February and a bit into March. And then you've got also Man United who also are going to have uh, two legs against uh, Barcelona. Plus also they've been showing that, that if you think of that, the performance that they had against uh, Leeds, it kind of reminded you of Tottenham Oxford early on in the season where yeah. every time they have to claw like two goal deficits or something like that, where it's going to all start taking its toll on you as a team. Yeah, hundred percent, and and then, like you mentioned, keenly that the fixtures that I'm talking, you know, that we've mentioned now, it goes up until the the 14th of March, and then they still have West Ham, and then there's a two week break, I think, till April, I think, international break. So, yeah. I mean, just think that's two weeks eaten out of the Premier League's timetable as well, which you know, as more games, Champions League clashes, all squeezed in between then from the first of April onwards. I think Arsenal have to, have to, have to take advantage of City's fixtures and that eight-point gap. I know, it, 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 I mean, I think, you know, Premier League's probably the one league where eight points doesn't seem a lot, but if Arsenal can get that eight point into double digits, with yeah. City's all their fixtures coming on, I think there's a big chance that, you know, this could be our first opportunity. But, but that being said, we cannot give City any, you know, sniffs of hope. If they get a sniff of blood, you know, yeah. all of a sudden they're going to start going forward and putting pressure on us. And I mean, like, I think now the, the big bonus, like, just before I'm now going to end off now, because, I mean, look, podcast is a bit shortened, but, I mean, next week's one will be a bumper edition because we've got yeah. some fixtures to discuss in it. But, I mean, Jesus now, he's now already now training on the pitch with the ball. I mean, they're now still building him up to, before, you know, he, he can take uh, uh, part in full training, you know, where it gets physical and... and you know, he has to now start getting tackles or facing tackles and that. So they're now like strengthening the knee with, with a lot of, you know, side the side jumping work to really strengthen that knee up. So, I mean, for me, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be like perfect if you can really fine-tune him and, and strengthen him up. 
So when it comes to that point, what, what you know, we're just mentioning about that March period, if you can now unleash somebody with that, we get like a, maybe a, a few cameos leading up to the international break and you really, you know, drive home that, that, that sort of physicality thing on his behalf in that uh, two week period, because look, he'll probably not be even available for, for Brazil. Then. Like they're going to probably still be working hard on him. And then I was like, you sort of fine tune him to take you from April to May or the full of April to the full of May and see us through to the end. Yeah, you need something like that because, you know, I know people are still, you know, I mean, Kitty's stats, you know, show that you can do a job. But for me, it's like, you know, you can only do, can take yourself far. I don't, I think it's a, it's a lot to ask him Kitty to win so many games back yeah. to back. I think he is a good striker to come off the bench and to and do things, but Jesus needs to come back now because we are missing him. I mean, look, man, I think with Nketiah is where I actually feel, um, almost like I was a feel for Nketiah at the moment, even though, look, we were, he's, he's you know, harsh critics and that. But for me, it's like he's doing a hell of a lot of his work, it was, it was very hard in the, in the game, but it's like, the, the the payoff is not happening because people are missing the chances that he's carving out for them. Like as I said, I think of early on in that in that game of Everton where he carves out the chance for Odegaard, who should be you know kind of equalising, being more composed and finishing. Or uh, uh, I mean, like he's he's working. I mean, he's, even that when he's doing little cutbacks, our guy, our guys that we have that are playing are almost like choking up the chances which he's not carved out because. Right now, he might not be scoring, but I mean, he's at least showing that he is active enough to carve open the chance for somebody else or tee up somebody else for a chance. Yeah, uh, 100% correct there. Yeah. So, guys, that's all. that'll be all for today's edition. Um, hope you guys enjoy the match today. Hopefully, it goes our way. I mean, the Emirates crowd should be rocking today. So, come on, guys, let's get the three points. Come, guys, let's take the three points and get back on top. I think we can make it eight points. <laughs>